0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. God is good. Somebody say all the time. Praise God, praise God. And so I want to turn our attention this morning, again, giving honor to Pastor Elms and family and the Bishop Elms and family. Matter of fact, Bishop Elms, if they would have been here, my wife would have been here with me, but they were out of town as well, so she said, you go on. (coughs) Not that she doesn't love y'all, but you know how family is, and we thank God for the Elms family. We've been blessed indeed. But I feel a family feeling here. I feel like, you know what I feel? Goodwill. And I feel faith for something great from God and I want to say this and this is a prophetic word and maybe God will give me more about this as the service moves on if there is a a family if there is a mother or a father that is grieving because one of your children have departed from the faith I want to say this in the Holy Ghost They're not gone, they're planted. And you're going to live to see the day how that like Joseph might have been thrown in a pit, imprisoned in a prison, but when they were reunited, Jacob was a better man others were honorable men so here's the thing sometimes our trouble turns us into people we otherwise never would have become for god and if you manage this setback properly you're going to come out of this thing with a prayer life you never dreamed you could have ever had Ooh. Let me read from the, from the psalms, second psalm, verse 1 through 4. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then from Luke chapter 6, verse 21, the words of Jesus, blessed are you who are hungry, now for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. I want to say again, somebody's crying days are over. God's going to put laughter in your soul. I want to preach from the subject, a funny thing happened on the way to the cross. Let's join together and ask God's blessing. Precious Lord, we thank you for the power of your spirit in this house today. For the hand of God upon everyone present, we release you to be who you are and to do as you please in the lovely name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Isn't it funny how that sometimes we misunderstand what is really going on when the anointing of the Holy Ghost comes upon us as individuals or as a church? I remember one time when I was a new convert, uh, one of the young men in the church, raised in the church, (coughs) had seen the exorcist and it terrified him and he told me he was so scared of the devil that he was afraid to pray and afraid to worship he was afraid that if he made a move to god the devil was going to come and get him you know let me tell you something don't 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 ever fear the devil that attacks you while you're praising Fear the one that shows up when you're dead in your soul. I'm not afraid of the devil who comes to church when I'm magnifying God in praise and worship. I'll be afraid of the one. I said this one time here a while back. Don't fear the devil when he makes a lot of noise. I got a phone call a few weeks ago from someone who said they were the devil. They told me they were out to get me. Out to destroy my church. The devil left me a message on my cell phone. And even left me a return number and I called the devil back. The problem was he gave me a bogus phone number that had been disconnected. And I said to the church, I said, I'm not afraid of the devil who makes a lot of noise. I'm afraid of the one who sneaks up in the dead of quiet. So here's one of the funny things that happens along the way. And that is we, are, we assume sometimes if we get fervent for God, hell will attack us. And he might. But he won't defeat us. Because here's what it says. That the Lord's anointed, when we get an anointing on us, we literally put cords and bands on Satan and his minions. Yes. Here's here's the continuum. The freer you are in the Holy Ghost, the more bound Satan and all of his forces are. So if you want to put the devil on restriction, lift your hands. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Praise him in the sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Somebody's done wrapped the devil up. He came to church thinking he was gonna mess with us. But the minute we allow the anointing to take control, he's finished. He's finished. Come on, when you shout, he stops shouting. Come on, when you laugh, he starts crying. When you worship, he shuts up and sits down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so there are 38 times in the Bible that the word laugh or laughter is used. And uh, some of the times are where laughter is appropriate. Some other times it is the wrong thing to do. The book of Ecclesiastes said there's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. Praise God. And I believe that today is going to be a day of laughter. Not because I'm going to be funny, that might happen accidentally. I don't know. But it's going to be because God gives you a warrior's laugh. We'll say more about that in a little bit. Matter of fact, I was inspired to preach this message uh, because a couple of weeks ago I decided it was time to mow my lawn. Now, those of you that are home lawn mowers, you know, you do your own yard work, uh, you've probably run into this. There is some kind of a little burrowing bee that they find a little bear patch in the lawn or the yard and they go in there and they burrow a little tiny hole uh, but dozens and sometimes even hundreds of these bees can go in there and nest and what have you. And they're usually uh, pretty much go unnoticed unless you take a riding mower and mess up their world. Kind of like that's the way the devil is, you know. We haven't come just to have a cutesy church service. We've come to mess up his world. <laughs> We've come to burn his house down. We've come to serve him notice. And so here they came. All of a the sudden, uh, they started. They swarmed me, and they started biting me all over the place. And I jumped off my lawnmower. A headset hit the motor; half of it melted down. And I went running in the house like a baby. <laughs> and I told my wife, "I said, I, now I must have got stoned fifteen or twenty times." They stung me in my ankles. They stung me on my wrist. They stung me on my, on, on my arm here, my shoulders. And I got to thinking about it. Everything I moved, they stung. I must have been doing this. You know, that's another way the devil attacks you. You lift your hands, he wants to put it back down. Come on, you move your feet. He wants to sting your feet to stop you from running the aisles or dancing in the Holy Ghost. He wants to sting your lips shut. Come on, he wants to stop your praise. But we got news for the devil. We're fixing to have a revelation around here. And it's the one who laughs last is the one who enjoys the journey. Praise God. Hell, you've had your time but your days are over because the church is entering into its anointing and we're going to wrap you in chains. And it's a funny thing. The devil that caused us so much pain is going to become the object of our derision. We're going to be able to look at him and all of his antics and we're going to smile that the of of heaven has brought us through it all, and so that day I laughed. I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. First of all, there is the laughter. There is the wrong kind of laughter. There's the laughter of unbelief. You remember when Sarah and Abraham were promised a child? They were so they were so advanced in age. Um, most of you would be quite surprised if a 90-year-old couple come up and said, we're fixing to have a baby. We'd probably have to revive you. (laughs) So it isn't so strange that Sarah thought it was funny. Maybe it was the laughter you laugh instead of crying. But nonetheless, when the word came to her that she was going to have a child, she laughed in her tent. God heard her. It wasn't the laughter of anticipation, It was the laughter of unbelief. And God challenged your unbelief and said, why did you laugh? I want to tell you something. You can fool some of the people some of the time, or all of the time, and you can fool all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool God none of the time. So if you're battling with unbelief, you need to pray right now, Lord, help my unbelief praise God. And she said, no, I didn't laugh, Lord. He said, yeah, you did laugh. But thank God he looks beyond our foolishness sometimes. And he helps our unbelief. For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so it is not a funny thing to laugh at the promises of God. And somebody may have told some, been told some funny stories about people who worship and praise, who speak in tongues and lay hand on folks, and anoint with oil and hand out prayer cloth. And um, I grew up, I remember one time I was working in a lumber yard, and I was the guy that loaded the semi-trucks with lumber that went off to the mills. And there was a truck driver that pulled in, and we were talking. And he said, um, he said something about going and getting a beer or something. I said, no, I, I live for God. I go to church. I serve Jesus. He said, what kind of church you go to? I said, I go to a Pentecostal church. He said, is that the church where all them people talk like turkeys? <laughs> oh, don't mess with me. I was a new convert. I was on fire for God. I wasn't gonna listen to this. So I just lifted my hands right there in the yard and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. That big old rough truck driver goes, he runs in his truck and sits there, and I'm going, ha 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 ha. Come on, I know don't, hey, there is a power in worship. If there's a skeptic in the house today, give worship a chance. Lift your voice to Jesus. Try Jesus. And then come tell us that it doesn't work for you. Come on. The God that I serve can handle depression. The God that I serve can handle suicidal thoughts. The God that I serve can handle divorce problems. Come on. Family troubles. Financial crisis. Somebody needs to praise him. In Acts 2.30, in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven filled all the house and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongue as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Acts chapter 2 and verse 5 said, Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men. These were, everyone say "Devout." devout. They were religious people. In their own way they loved God. They were from every nation under heaven. And they were all amazed. And they said to one another, What meaneth this? And some among them mocked saying they are full of new wine. Some were curious about this. Other devout people uh, mocked them as if they had been tipping the bottle. Well, they had, but they weren't drinking spirits. They were drinking of the Spirit. Praise God. You can be devout but deaf to the voice of God. You know what Pentecost proved? That God spoke in the language of everyone that was there that day. That's how desperate God wants you to be filled with his anointing. Every man heard them in their own tongue that day. That is the language of revival. And I might use some Bible terms today that you've never heard before. Maybe you've not been to church much. But I pray that your heart will hear. Amen. The voice of God summoning you to a powerful relationship with him. And for you, I might be too loud, too boisterous, too much movement, this, that, or the other. But look beyond the superficial and listen to hear the prompting of the Spirit of God. And if you hear that voice say, this is me, this is it, this is what you've been looking for, amen, before this day's over, you're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh at the devil. You're gonna laugh at the things that had you bound. You're gonna laugh at the sin that you thought was so cool. You're going to laugh at all the troubles that have come into your life because they brought you to Jesus. And so there is also not only the laughter of unbelief, there's the laughter of the fool. The Bible says, for as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse number 6. Spectator magazine f- had a feature article on the rave culture. Now I've been in church far too long to have actually experienced this. I uh, I was I'm from the wood of Woodstock generation. What that means is I was too young to go to Woodstock, but I woulda went if Mama woulda let me. But I heard the old-timers come back with the stories. But this is a whole different issue, 1988, 89. There was a youth culture that underwent uh, what this article said was the biggest revolution since the 1960s. And uh, it was called acid house music. The drug was ecstasy. And it said that they created what they called the second summer of love. So here these people would gather in warehouses, play music, take ecstasy, dance, and party until the sun would come up. And they claimed that it created this hedonistic haze of love and peace and unity. The problem with the kind of fun that you have at a hedonistic party is when the music stops And the lights go out, and the band quits playing, and the people go home. That all you're left with is that emptiness. After the rave culture passed through Europe and England and the U.S., it left a generation of drug addicts, of people infected with the HIV virus, questioning their God-given gender, spirit of unbelief entered an entire generation and that created what they call the nuns, people who don't believe in any religion at all. I want to tell, i got to serve news, I believe this with all my heart, that the millennial generation that's been devastated by uh, a culture of skepticism and unbelief They say that 30-some percent of the American millennial generation have no affiliation with religion or church of any kind. I believe that right there is the seeds of an end-time revival that we're going to have to build churches to house the people that are going to come back. How can you say that? I can say that because of this. We were designed with an empty place that can only be filled by fellowship with God. Vaping can't fill it. Hookah bars can't fill it. Come Come on. Marijuana can't fill it. Crack and, and, and this fentanyl can't fill it? Come on. Th- what's going to happen is this generation is moving to the crisis point. And at some point in time, there's going to be a wake-up that's going to happen. Yes! Yes! Yep. I'm gonna gonna call it like it is. About the time they start turning 40, everything's gonna change. They're gonna look back and they're gonna say, Who am I and what do I wanna be? And somebody's gonna be reminded of home. And when those young people start coming home, oh, the laughter, oh, the joy. Oh, the celebration. Oh, the happy faces. Oh, the miracle of revival. Get ready for a revival that's going to be the next great awakening in America in the name of Jesus. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming. So here's the funny thing that happened. Actually, several funny things. First of all, the princes gathered together and thought they could set a trap for the Messiah. Hell literally thought that he could take Jesus out by killing him. And so he said, I'll set a trap. I'll 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 use the Sanhedrin, I'll use the Roman court. I'll use the day of atonement. I'll take care of this. Boy, he took care of it all right. What the devil didn't realize was it was Jesus setting a trap for the devil. You know what Calvary was? It was the trap that God set to take hell, death, and the grave. You know what he used for bait his own body on the cross? you know what it says in Corinthians? Had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. A funny thing happened on the way to the cross. Hell thought they could take Jesus out and all they did was sow seeds for a resurrection and a life and a promise and a New Testament church. The principalities and powers sat themselves. They braced themselves for the battle of the ages. But the fact of the matter is, amen, the death could not hold Jesus. Death tried to hold on to him. But on that third day, praise God, like the singer said, it may be Friday night, but Sunday's coming, hallelujah. Death has tried to get a hold of some of us every once in a while. Spiritual death has tried to creep over us. But one thing that we've proven, amen, after all the things we've been through, we still have God. Yeah. Hallelujah. You want to laugh at something? Laugh at this. After hell has tried every trick in his book to stop you, you're still here. Yeah. You still got to praise. Yes. You're still on fire for God. Yes. 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 Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God, and so it is God who is going to have the last laugh. Not God by himself, but he and his anointed. In the Bible, you know what, I told you that we need, to, we need to conclude this service today with a warrior's laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Not a comedian's, not a comedian or comic's laugh, but a warrior's laugh. In your Bible, there, are, there is something that I identify as the warrior's stance. You ever when I was in when I was middle school, somehow I made the top guy in the wrestling team. It wasn't because I knew how to wrestle, it was because I was bigger than everybody else. I went through a growth spurt. I weighed 185 pounds. I was five foot ten in the seventh grade. So here was my strategy for wrestling. Go. I just grab them like this, throw them down and lay down on top of them, and they give up. So they said, okay, we're going to the state championship. I said, okay, bring them on. I'm undefeated in the ring. i never been to one lesson. I didn't know the first thing about it. Then all of a sudden, the first challenger that comes out to meet me, before God, he looked like he was 30 years old. I don't know how many times. He had hair coming out of his T-shirt. <laughs> And I remember telling myself, just do what, just do what you've always done. And so I, I took my stance and got ready to brace for him. And he came come at me, and I grabbed him. And the dude stood up. He just stood up like that. And I went sliding right down his back, crashed into the floor. He jumped on top of me, and that was it. My wrestling career was over. <laughs> well, I want, I. I want the devil to know something. Amen. There is a warrior stance. And that is this. When you've done everything that you can do, stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Stand having the helmet of salvation. Stand holding the sword of the Spirit. Stand having your feet shod with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know the devil cannot take you if you plant your feet on the rock Christ Jesus and say, I am going to stand. there's a the warrior song. When the children of Israel came through the Red Sea and Miriam struck up the tambourine and began to play and began to sing. And she celebrated the bloated carcasses of Egyptian war steeds as they washed up on the shore. And all of Pharaoh's mightiest soldiers perished. And every one of the children of Israel crossed through safely on the other side. She sang. I mean, she didn't sing to make it sound good. She sang because it was good. I re- Someone might have saw that picture. Someone put on the Facebook here a while back. It says, this is what you do when they take your tambourine away at church. And it showed a picture of a middle-aged woman with shoes with tambourines in the, in the, where you have laces. Come on, if that's what it takes. This is what you do when the devil tries to steal your joy. This is what you do, amen, when you've had a rough week on the job. This is what you do when you find out your kids have been in trouble with the law. This is what you do, amen, when the doctor says you're sick. Oh, come on, somebody. I get my stories all messed up. Maybe I've told this before, but it's still good. Yeah, it when I was a new convert, I sang the old church songs. That's what we sung 40 years ago. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll... And I told you I worked at the sawmill. It was so loud you couldn't hear anything if you wanted to. So I just sing to the top of my voice. And I just handle the wood and material, whatever they told me to do. I'll fly away, oh! And I just get a big smile on my face. It was a warrior song. I just got in church. I just got delivered from drugs and alcohol and partying and that youth culture that was a part of the post hippie era. And I was happy. And one of the old boys, I never saw the whites of his eyes. Never. He always wore dark sunglasses to, to work. But I remember one time catching him sniffing gas out of the forklift. He come up to me he said, "He did this." I was singing all fly away. He said, "Give me some of what you got." I said, "What?" He said, "Give me some of what you got." I said, you want some of what I got? Yeah. Do you know what I got don't roll up in papers? Do you know what I got don't fit in a syringe? Do you know what I got isn't going to be found in the gas tank of a forklift? What I got come from God out of heaven. Does anybody got what I got? If you got what I got, give him some warrior praise. And so there's warrior prayer. That's where you cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There's a warrior shout. That's where you shout with the voice of? Oh, yeah! With the voice of? Not because you have, well, not because you've already won, but because you know you're going to win. Yeah. Shout with it. Shout with the voice that you know that you're going to win. You know you're going to come out of this. Thank yeah. you. Okay, then there's the warrior dance, right? you remember when David was dancing his way with the Ark of the Covenant? I don't know how he did it, but he, he had to go like miles like this. Every six paces, he'd stop and dance and they'd sacrifice. And then they'd come into the city and everyone was lining the streets and celebrating everyone, but his wife, she looked down at him from a window. You know what? You know, worship doesn't translate if you're not Worshiping with us. You look at worship from a, from a third-person perspective, removed from everything, and you just don't get it that way. It loses something in the translation. But when you join us. That's right. That's right. She said, what kind of a king? Fine, fine example of a king you were today, David. Look at you. You acted like the base fellows. Dancing around, taking off your royal robe. David said he, said, "You thought that was bad." I never did know how to dance as a kid. I had, I had um, uh, you know, in California, Southern California, where I grew up, there was a lot of Latino friends of mine. They all knew. How, they were kitchen dancers from the time they were little kids. They'd get out there. They could do all that. And I just was clumsy and bashful and big and felt stupid. But when I got the Holy Ghost, God put something in my feet. You can't get it at the Fred Astaire Dance Studio. It comes from God out of heaven. He said, you thought that was bad? I'll be more vile than this. And he began to dance before the Lord with all his might. Somebody needs to dance on the grave of your enemy. Somebody needs to dance on the lies the devil has tried to sell you. Somebody needs to dance on the heartbreak that others have tried. Tried to put on you in the name of Jesus. Dance. And so I said all those things to say there's also the warrior's laugh. So I got off of my lawnmower, had bites all over the place. But I told myself, it's not over. I got in my daughter's little jeep. I rolled up the windows real good and I started driving around my yard. Who knows what the neighbors thought? Who cares what the neighbors thought? I had to fix some trouble. And so, after just a couple of minutes, here they were, a swarm of them all over. They were all around the windshields. I said, Aha, I'm getting warmer. And I looked and looked and I saw a hole in the ground, and there they were coming in and out, flying in and out. I said, "Mm-hmm." Self, take a mental note. I went and parked the car. I went back in the house and waited about thirty minutes for those babies to settle down. Then I got me two, not one, two. You know those wasp spray cans are about that big. They're like they got the power of a fire extinguisher. I eat. It's a 20-foot range. I closed in on it. I said, I'm going to use go at 10. I pulled those babies out. I did a Clint Eastwood deal. (laughs) Gone. Make my day. (laughs) I took those babies. I, from two angles. Not a one of them escaped, and they just drowned in their misery. And I said to them, how dare you try to run me off of my own land? <laughs> do you know the devil come in here, try to run you out of your own church? Are you going to let him do that to you? Yeah. And here's what happened next. As the hole filled up with fluid, I began to laugh. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, it's the laugh of, it's the laugh of superiority. It's the laugh of dominance. It's the laugh of having more ammo than you even need. It's the laugh of greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. devil is puny he's weak he's ineffectual greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world it's time to lift your hands stand on your feet and give it a warrior's laugh Ha! ha! you thought you could stop me Ha! you thought you could hold me back you thought I'd up upon God. Huh? You thought that would be the end of me. Ha <laughs> ha! Come on, somebody. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Who warrior laugh? Who warrior praise? Warrior dance. Oh, Ramamaha. A funny thing happened on our way to heaven, and that is this. The harder hell hit, the stronger we got. The more he tried to stop us, the more determined we became. And now the very things that used to keep us bound, we've weaponized them. We turned our tests into testimonies. Hey if you were hooked on meth and you're delivered and set free and the devil told you shut your mouth he got nothing to say I'm here to tell you open your mouth and find somebody who is in the same shape you were in and weaponize the story of your life and use what the devil took you out to bring somebody in you gone through a bankruptcy? Are you ashamed of having to file bankruptcy? And you think I'll just sit down and hopefully nobody will notice me? You need to find somebody who's having financial troubles, and you need to tell them it doesn't matter how low you go if you put your faith in God and put God first, He'll He brought me out, He'll bring you out. That's funny me. That's funny. He tried to mop up on us and what did we do? We came back uh, and we brought several more just like us into the kingdom of God. And so now we bring our young people and we're going to pray. Come on young people and teachers. We're going to, we're going to pray for you. The schools are in turmoil. The world is a dangerous place. God's got this under control. And so we want God's hand to be on these young people. And our ministry team is going to help us to pray. And you're going to help us pray. I think there's room for everybody. Oh, just about room for everybody. And since there's so many of us We're going to need your help. Does everybody get a prayer cloth? Would the congregation just lift your hands and just point them this way? Would you do that? Why don't we lift up a corporate prayer as the prayer team makes their way and lays hands on these children and pray? Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. That the enemy, though he try to spoil the futures of these youngsters, the hand of your almighty presence is going to be upon them to see about them. When they lay their head down at night, you're going to be there guarding them. When they wake up in the morning, you're going to be there. When they ride the bus to school, you're going to protect them. Should somebody come to try to make trouble for them, you're going to defend them. These are your sheep. These are your children. This is the heritage of the Lord. We pray a mighty anointing upon this youth group today. We pray that you weaponize these kids, that their smile... Room is going to be a felt piece. Jesus, let your anointing rest on them. God, when the flood comes, bring them through the flood. When the trouble comes, bring them through the trouble. saints let's pray for these this is to, this is tomorrow's hope right here in the name of jesus Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE. 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.